Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away. And angels came and took care of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ruth. Um, I wonder if uh, any of you have been to see this one, The Greatest Showman. Anyone been uh, been to the flicks recently? A few people. I ventured over to uh, Longwell Green about ten days ago and uh, watched this and uh, really enjoyed it. It's um, a film that documents the life of the great American visionary P.T. Barnum, um, best known for his freak shows and his traveling circus. And uh, in the film, which is sort of loosely based on reality, um, Barnum enjoys great success with his circus shows as he promotes um, some really obscure and quite outlandish characters. He forms them into a unit and puts together this amazing, spectacular show. And so you've got characters like the, the bearded lady, you've got uh, trapeze artists, you've got Siamese twins, you've got dwarfs and you've got giants, you've got the three-legged three men, all those sorts of things. You get the idea. And uh, he does an amazing job in pulling them together, putting on this show. They all get a real sense of uh, self-worth and identity, and it's a real... Um, barnstorming, uplifting film. And he wins round the sceptical population of downtown Manhattan and thrives on his popularity. The problem is, it's not enough. He wants more, despite all that he has achieved. He wants more. And he neglects his troupe of performers. He leaves them behind as he sets off on a US tour with his new protege, the opera singer, Jenny Lind. And whilst all goes well at first, she tries to seduce him and manages a stage kiss with all the press present, which ends up on the front page of all of the newspapers, which get back to his wife and, as you can imagine, cause all sorts of problems. Why do I tell that story? Because it's an example of what temptation can be like. Never quite being satisfied. Always wanting more. Despite all he had achieved, P.T. Barnum felt that it wasn't enough. 
despite the purpose and the joy that he brought to so many, it wasn't enough. Let's take a different angle. Now, um, I think most of you know, I'm no scientist. I hope we haven't got too many scientists in the room. You'll correct me afterwards if I get any of this wrong. But uh, a few weeks ago, Anita and Joe and I went to a conference in Cardiff. It was called the P-Word Conference. It was looking at the theme of pornography. And we're there with church leaders from all over the uh, west of England and South Wales. And one of the speakers was helping us to understand how people get addicted to pornography, but also to um, substances, alcohol, uh, video games, whatever it might be. And thinking about the chemical dopamine. I'll keep it very simple because that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, Dopamine in the brain is the chemical responsible for motivation. It makes us want to do things which are pleasurable. And it drives us to seek those things out. It makes us crave. And it's a difficult chemical to satisfy because the more we get, the more we want. There's an interplay between the chemical and the receptors in the brain. And the key reason why many who get hooked on pornography get caught in the trap of wanting to uh, access more and more deviant material is because of the interplay between the dopamine and these receptors. It's also true with other addictions as well. There's no time to develop that thinking now, but it reminds us that temptation is rather more than just the devil sitting on our shoulder, whispering in our ear. With those chemical reactions going on in our brains, it's easy to cry, I'm on a hiding to nothing. I can resist anything except temptation. If you don't relate to uh, P.T. Barnum or struggle to grasp the concept of dopamine and receptors, maybe you can relate to my dog. That's Sam. He is a work in progress. Not much progress, but we love him anyway. He knows uh, that he should, uh, in fact, he's quite good at this one, he knows he should do his business outside and not in the lounge. Uh, He knows that he's not allowed on the sofa most of the time. And he knows that he has to sit down to be let off his lead. But he hasn't yet grasped that he's not allowed to lick the cutlery in the dishwasher. Now, I know that's absolutely disgusting. And I know that I've gone down in your estimation even more. But it's true. You go to put a plate in the dishwasher on the bottom rack, and he sneaks in behind you, And he's there, trying to lick a bit of gravy off a knife or a bit of yogurt off a spoon. And despite however many times you tell him that, no, Sam, he's still there every single time. It's just too tempting. The merest whiff of food on a knife, and he's there. It's too much. All of us face temptation in different ways. Even, as we've seen with our reading, Jesus But as Jesus demonstrates, we don't have to give in to that temptation. The devil tried his very best, but to no avail. Jesus, although physically weak after 40 days of fasting, is spiritually strong. The devil plays to Jesus' physical need. He says, look, you must be hungry. Easy win. Why not just turn those stones into bread? Well within your capabilities. 
He encourages Jesus to play to the crowds. Why don't you just show off? Do a little party trick. Everyone will be so impressed when the angels catch you. He makes false promises about his own power and authority, claiming that all the nations of the world are his to give away. But Jesus resists these temptations. And as we reflect on the way in which Jesus dealt with these temptations, I think there are three, at least three, takeaways for us. The first one, if we are to resist temptation, we need to find our security in the one who truly satisfies. Jesus didn't need to prove himself to anyone. He was God's son, after all, totally secure in his relationship with his father. There was no need to show off to the crowds. There was no need to perform all sorts of amazing gimmicks, drawing attention to himself. He knew that he was loved as he was. He just heard, just before he went into the wilderness, the affirming words of the Father at his baptism. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Those of you who were here last Sunday will remember the words, very similar words, at, uh, during the Transfiguration, when Jesus is there with Peter, James, and John, and Elijah and Moses come and join them, and a voice is heard from heaven, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Similar words. But we too are loved by God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. That's good news. Our security, therefore, must be in him. We don't need to impress others. We don't need a better car, a bigger house, a more impressive CV, more Facebook friends, or whatever it might be. He loves you. One of the midweek series we did with the Lads um, House Group uh, a couple of years ago now was uh, based on a book by John Ortberg. And it spoke, or the video spoke each week, about the need for us to become Yuya, more like the people God had made us to be, more Yui. We need to find our security in God. We also need to immerse ourselves in God's word. Did you notice when temptation came Jesus' way, he was quick to respond with words of scripture. He'd spent time studying the books of the law, the Psalms, the prophets. He'd not just skim read it, he knew it. Scripture is such a powerful weapon. You've got that great list in Ephesians 6, haven't you, where um, Paul describes the spiritual armor available to all believers. And then amongst the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of the salvation and the feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace, he writes of one offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of truth. And when temptation comes our way, the greatest resource to help us resist is God's word. Words of truth, God's perspective, God's promise. One such promise, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
great promise of God. So we need to immerse ourselves in God's word. We also need to draw inspiration from the one who's been there before. Jesus shows us the way. And we're exhorted to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Another verse from Scripture, Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So think of the greatest temptation you have ever faced. Think of the temptations that might be crowding in on you even now, this week. Jesus has been there already. He's shown what is possible. Temptations come at us from all angles and in various forms. In Matthew 4, we've got the very direct approach of the devil putting that temptation in Jesus' mind. I think the temptation we face is often a lot more subtle. But we need to be on our guard. Scripture again talks of the enemy, the devil, prowling around like a roaring lion, waiting to devour and destroy. We need to be aware of those things that tempt us, those chinks in our armor where the devil will be seeking to get in. But I think some of the most dangerous temptations for Christians are actually really subtle. There's the temptation to apathy, just not really being bothered. Not being really bothered if our friends and neighbors don't know about Jesus. Not really being bothered about the way our behavior affects the environment. Not really being bothered about our Christian brothers and sisters across the world who are suffering persecution because of their faith. Not really being bothered about the challenges facing our schools or the NHS. Nothing to do with me. Apathy. And then there's complacency. There's that that smug self-satisfaction. Things are pretty okay. I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm quite a nice person, actually. And then we settle for mediocrity. It's true for us as a church. We can say, well, this morning as we came in, there was barely a seat. We must be doing all right. We don't need to worry about reaching out into the community. We don't need to invite our friends or invest in the children's work or whatever it might be. We just get lazy and complacent. And then the self-sufficiency. I can get by on my own. I'm competent in my work. I think I'm a pretty good dad or a pretty good grandmother. I've got plenty of common sense. I've proved that so far in my life. I'll just find my own way. God's given me a brain, so I'll use it. But actually, God has been shut out. He's tapping on the window. Let me in. Let me in. These three cousins, apathy, complacency, self-sufficiency, they're variations on a theme, but they're actually deadly to our discipleship. But they can be really subtle and creep up on us. 
So we need to reflect, examine ourselves and see where they are in our lives. Only you know the temptations that you're facing in your life at this particular time. But I'd really challenge you to reflect on how you are facing them, whether you are resisting them, and what God might be saying to you about them. And in the midst of that, look to the one who truly satisfies and find your security in him. Immerse yourself in God's words, words which give truth, and life and healing. And be inspired by the one who's been there already and shows us what's possible in his strength. And of course, if we know that we've succumbed to temptation and we're laden down with guilt, we can know that we can come back not only to the one who sets us the example, but the one who is prepared to die for us on the cross. And so at the end of the service, if you'd really value prayer, maybe you're struggling with a particular temptation, or maybe you know that you've let God down in some way, and we just value someone just praying with you, just quietly, then do take the opportunity. There'll be folks over by the monkey bars on the left-hand side. Let's just be still for a few moments before we sing our next hymn. A reminder of those two verses from 1 Corinthians and Hebrews again. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. So when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Thank you, Lord, for those words of reassurance, those words of hope. Strengthen us, Lord, to resist the enemy and to stand strong for you. In Jesus' name. (laughs)